Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and we are just about a week into free agency now. If you go back to the start of the the time where teams could actually contact players and agents, and joining us here to talk about it is Dan Viennes of the Dan Cave Podcast, which covers all Seattle sports. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brandon. I'm uh, I'm glad we finally got a chance to connect. Those yeah. are crazy, crazy times right now, but uh, it's nice to have football to talk about. Some crazy times, especially when you consider, you know, usually this would be a good time for you and, and your show because you'd just be ramping up to uh, to baseball season. You'd have, you know, some XFL to talk about. It was kind of the nice yeah. part of this year is you'd still have some pro football. But uh, now we're we're locked into pretty much just NFL talk. Yeah. And and um Certainly, I'm thankful that they they decided to go ahead with free agency as scheduled, even, you know, just not as someone who does a podcast, but just as a sports fan and a football fan, because I was I was afraid they were going to delay it. And then I don't know what I'd be doing with my time right now, but um, it's been a nice diversion for sure. Well, and I heard you talking about just on your podcast about how, you know, John Schneider was in your restaurant and talking about Mm -hmm. how he was hoping for this free agency period to be delayed. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, He's a regular at our restaurant and he does um, one of his big benefit events at El Gaucho every year to benefit Ben's fund. And and that's, they're going to have to postpone that, but hopefully that'll still happen later in the spring. But he was in the other day and, you know, I always hesitate with, with people like that to talk shop because some love it and some (laughs) are tired of it and don't want to be bothered. But uh, he was certainly in the mood to chat a little bit um, as much as he could. And I asked him about the draft and I mentioned that I'm, you know, at least I have that to look forward to because he was actually, he was very sympathetic with our situation. He kind of gave me this really concerned look and he's so sorry that you guys have to shut down for a while and and we're going to miss you. And, And I said, Hey, at least I have the draft to look forward to when I get to sit at home and watch it. And he points at me and he goes, no, we're going to put that off. We're going to delay that. And he said it pretty matter of factly at that moment, which now we're seeing the reports. It sounds like the NFL is going to to move forward with the draft as scheduled. And then I asked him about free agency and uh, whether they were going to delay that. And he said, man, I hope so. And with what's going on now with their particular situation and some of the things they're trying to get done, you can kind of see why he hoped for some more time. Well, especially with so many restrictions on travel, it's impacting teams around the league with their ability to do physicals, especially on players where, gosh, you think of of guys who are out there that have had some significant injuries and a team wanting to actually, you know, maybe have some hands on with their doctors and the player mm-hmm. to kind of get an idea of the guy that they're getting. You know, is he going to be limited in a sort of way or is he going to end up being the same type of player? And we we kind of get a sense of that a little bit, I think, with the Jadevian Clowney situation as of Sunday afternoon, still no word. I, I think we we hear little tidbits of news coming out here and there. But uh, in in Clowney's situation, with him wanting to get uh, you know a top of the market type of deal and not being able to travel and meet with team physicians, I, I think it could be having a pretty big impact on him getting a better deal from other teams. Yeah, and, it, and it's having a huge impact on the Seahawks. I think you can make the argument that the Seahawks are being impacted by this whole COVID-19 thing more than anyone else in the league in a way, because um, not to mention the passing of the new CBA, which lowered the salary cap by $8 million. And, and as far as contending teams go, that $8 million, you know, really impacted, I think what some of the plans that Seattle had with as tight as some of their payroll is at certain position groups, but the, the coronavirus thing, not just the clowny situation, which obviously is, it's clearly having an effect on his decision-making process and it's, it's delaying things. I, 
I have to believe that if all restrictions were were off at this point, that he probably would have made a decision by now. But also, some of the other players that Seattle may need to think about releasing or cutting um, in order to create cap space to do some of these things, to mm-hmm. sign Clowney, presumably, or somebody else if they have to move on to plan B, because all those guys that, that are being talked about as potential cap cuts to save some money, Justin Britt, Ed Dixon, guys like that, are probably players that have to pass physicals and they can't take those right now, and that impacts what the Seahawks are able to do too. So they're really behind the eight ball on this whole thing. Well, one of those guys who is in that uh, group of potential cap casualties, KJ Wright, he was a player who's, you know, looking at a, a cap hit of about $10 million. The Seahawks could have cut him prior to Sunday and saved about seven and a half million against the cap, but he was due a bonus on Sunday. And so maybe we're looking at uh, KJ Wright being one of those players that we can expect to be around. Another piece of news that's that's probably the biggest news of Sunday for the Seahawks and free agency. They add another offensive lineman. They've, they've kind of been going crazy in the offensive line department. Uh, not not any big names necessarily, although I guess you could argue. I mean, Chance Warmack, you go back to the 2013 NFL draft. He was a top 10 pick. The Titans took him out of Alabama. And he was a guy that everyone kind of, I think, expected him to be a top tier offensive lineman. Yeah, and. You say big news, uh, you know, it's 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 big in the sense that this is a big dude we're talking about. I mean, he, he definitely fits kind of the Mike Solari profile of a guard and played right guard in his career, um, which would, you know, immediately some of the speculation I saw on Twitter was, is this going to allow him to cut DJ Fluker and maybe save a million or two that way? You know, if you get Warmack for the vet minimum, Warmack wasn't even in the league last year, which I when I first read the report, I I wasn't aware of. I just knew. Uh, I knew the name right. and he was a big name and he was a guy that that I remember in that 2013 draft as a guy that that made sense for the Seahawks um, even that year. And so he was someone I looked at and studied a little bit at the time and he's a mauler when he's healthy, but who knows how healthy he is. Certainly anyone who thinks that that might be behind this move, it's maybe if Hormack was a little bit more of a sure thing, a little bit more of a dependable player, you could think in terms of that. But at this point, he's a veteran minimum player with no guarantees whatsoever who's going to be brought to camp. And if somehow he can find lightning in a bottle and return to his old form, then maybe he's a guy that can make the roster. But, you know, that's that's kind of where they're at at this point. They can't really make any significant moves as much as they probably would like to because they're, they're sort of being held hostage by Jadevian Clowney in his situation. Yeah, they absolutely want to make, I think, uh, or at least have some sense of closure on that type of deal, whether he goes somewhere else or whether he stays before they can move on to some other potential options. And I want to talk a little bit more with you, too, about some of those guys out there that the Seahawks may still be interested in if they do have some cap space. Let's talk a little bit more about Warmack, though, because, you know, he was such a solid player at right guard in his time with the Titans, and he kind of ran into some tough circumstances. He had three pretty good years to start his career. Then going into that fourth year, uh, that's uh, typically the time where a team would put a fifth-year option on a first-round player. They actually declined his fifth-year option, which made that 2016 season a prove-it kind of year for Warmack. He tore a tendon in his hand during warmups just in week two of that season. He played through the game, but then after the game, uh, decided to have surgery. So, he that year was kind of lost to him. And then the Eagles were the ones that picked him up the following year, got him for a super deal, you know, one year, $1.5 million contract. He ended up uh, competing for the left guard spot because the 
the Eagles at right guard had Brandon Brooks. So obviously that position was locked down. So more of his traditional uh, position when he played with the Titans. But he he fought uh, back and forth a little bit with Stefan Wisniewski for that left guard spot and lost out. They did bring him back in 2018 for two point five million. But uh, yeah, he, like you said, he sat out all last year. So it is it's interesting to me if if they decide to have him compete at left guard, you know, considering that Mikey Potty still hasn't re-signed back with the team, but they have plenty of options at guard. And yeah, he does kind of feel like that DJ Fluker type player and uh, curious that he went one spot before Fluker and uh, the Seahawks. When you look at the dudes from that 2013 draft, the top half of the draft, and, and if you just look on the offense and defensive line, They've now taken seven of those guys uh, out of 10 players that went to the top 16. They've had seven of them on the offense and defensive line. Yeah, I know the two the two that come to mind because I don't have it in front of me. So I'm I'm, I'm, we're playing a little bit of a game show here. Uh, (laughs) The two that come to mind are Luke Jokel, obviously. Yep, number two overall. Um, Wasn't that Deion Jordan also? Deion, uh, Deion Jordan was number three. Yep, they had him. He was third overall. That's 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 all I got. Number one overall that year was Eric Fisher with the Chiefs. Right. And number four was Lane Johnson, who went to the Eagles. And then the other guys filling out that 2013 draft, Ziggy Anza, number five overall. Marquevious Mingo, number six. uh, (laughs) Fluker at 11. And Sheldon Richardson at 13. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Who's left? Anybody else available from that draft? Yeah, we should go through this. Maybe there's some other targets out there we're missing. Eric Reed's a free agent. He was taken number eighteen overall. Oh yeah, yeah. If you go, oh, Seahawks so love back. safeties. You know, we just don't have enough safeties on the on the roster. They had a chance last season to get Justin Pugh, but they right. didn't bring him in. Uh, there was talk of of trading for Tyler Eifert at the trade deadline last year. <laughs> now, this is a guy that I wanted to talk about in regards to moves I would have liked to have seen them make or moves that other teams made that I would have liked to have seen Desmond Trufant at 22. Yeah. Bring him back to town. Yeah. And I thought, you know, the number he signed for with Detroit is something I really wish we could have done. And of course I would have liked to been on, on that DeAndre Hopkins deal, but uh, you know, that would have been tough paying him top of the market for a receiver. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Uh, Xavier Rhodes though, released by the Vikings. He's, yeah, he's out there. Hasn't been signed yet. So there's, there's still, there's still time. Darius Slay, they could have made the move we for him. Had more guys from that 2013 <laughs> first round. Yeah, that's that's awesome. pretty crazy. Yeah, they might not be done. <laughs> they might not be done. Hey, is EJ Manuel out there? I know uh, backup quarterback. We could use one of those, right? Uh, the other one I was going to say is Tavon Austin. I don't know if he's under contract or not, but um, he was with the Cowboys last year. I yeah, he's not one that I'm really interested in either. <laughs> It'd be interesting to know what the heck is uh is going through Snyder's mind when it comes to 2013. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely not seeing it with 2014 or 2015, no. but No, it's interesting though when you talk about the offensive line the moves they have made. It, and we've seen them do this in other years, you know, regardless of of what your opinion is on on the actual players the Seahawks have taken in the draft over the last 4 or 5 years. And there are certainly varying opinions on that. You, you can't argue with the fact that maybe as as much if not more than any other general manager in the league, John Schneider really understands kind of how how drafts stack up position wise and especially in relation to where their picks are grouped and then what the rest of the league is thinking and, and how they value guys and to me especially in light of the fact that we haven't been able to add as much to the pass rush as we want to or universally agree that we need to this offseason other than the bruce Irvin move which i see as a complimentary move not a not a foundational move is is it looks to me like they're hedging against the draft and setting up so that 
that offensive line doesn't have to be a priority. I would still argue that that I'd like to see, uh, in particular, I'd like to see them take a guy that can that can profile as a future long term answer at left tackle after Dwayne Brown is done. Mm-hmm. But you've kind of freed yourself up now with some of the moves they made, especially in case they can't get what they want on the free agent market to address the pass rush to to load up on some other areas of need in the draft because we still don't know their plans. You know, everything's kind of kind of quiet right now. We don't know what their plan is with B.J. Finney. It's assumed that he would play center and that maybe Justin Britt isn't the guy anymore or they're going to do something with his contract or maybe cut him all together once all this stuff is cleared up. Um, but I've seen people that think he's going to he's going to compete at left guard. And then Brandon Shell, we assume, is going to be the right tackle. But they may have other plans. We don't know what they're going to do with Jamarco Jones yet. Do they view him strictly as a guard now? Or is he going to compete with Shell at right tackle? And so there's still a lot of moving parts, but they've certainly hedged some of their need as far as the draft goes at that position. Yeah, they absolutely have a ton of players now to uh, a, a pool of offensive linemen to go through. And once we get started in training camp, maybe we start to see how that starts to shape up a little bit more. We're still yeah. uh, a little ways down the road before we kind of get an idea there. But but let's come back, Dan, and we will talk a little bit more about what the Seahawks have done in free agency so far. Maybe some of our frustrations, because I I think you've kind of touched on a few ideas of where Seahawks fans may have some frustration through this point of free agency. Yes, we're just one week in. There is a lot of time left, and and Schneider does tend to look for uh, the bargains out there. But let's take a break. We'll come back, and we'll get into that, as well as some of the players still potentially out there for the Seahawks to go after. Back from the break with... Dan Viennes of the Dan Cave podcast. He covers the Seahawks as well as all Seattle sports on his podcast there. Be sure and subscribe, tune into that show. And one of the things that was kind of funny over the weekend, Dan, is that I think it all kind of kicked off with Mike Florio and pro football talk that it sounded like things were getting a little bit closer with with the Seahawks and Jadevian Clowney. And that sparked just a whole lot of interest and chatter that there might, it was starting to feel like something was going to happen. And and mm-hmm. then, gosh, we just if you follow really closely on Twitter and search for keywords and that sort of things, you, you start to see all kinds of nonsense. And uh, it turns out maybe nothing. I, and I think there was even some more that was sparked by a, the fact that the folks over at the Madden football, they had oh, yeah. uh, players changing their jerseys from their old team to their new team. And the guy in there that uh, that shouldn't have been in there, Jadevian Clowney, was changing from a Seahawks uniform to a Titans uniform. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's times like this that you see the 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 great things about Twitter and then the frustrating things about Twitter. And that is how instantaneous it is. You know, anytime I get uh, a chance now, um, whether I'm doing things around the house or I'm waking up in the morning, first thing I do is grab my phone and I go to profootballrumors.com just to see if anything official has been has been cited. Mm-hmm. And then I go to Twitter because it's just easier, you know, and cleaner to just look on a, on a centralized source and Twitter. Sometimes you do have to dig and use keywords and really get creative and, and, uh, and you have to weed through all the stupid fake accounts. Right. Um, don't get me started on that, but there's a few of them. Yeah. And then, so yesterday when I wake up early and I check on pro football rumors and it's, uh, or pro football talk and their headline story is Seahawks and Clowney appear to be working towards a deal. and their their strength as much as i love pro football talk and and that whole app their strength is is 
compiling headlines and and right. letting you know what breaking news there is out there in the universe. They're not great at breaking things themselves. And so, you know, you get you get excited and then the day goes on. And so many times when you see those initial reports, you can just see it like a, a fire starting in front of you. You know, it's the spark and then it's the it smolders and then the flame and then there it is. And so you expect that. So you're just refreshing, you know, the whole day and uh, nothing, nothing else happened the rest of the day. And that's frustrating. This whole thing is frustrating. I mean, as a Seahawk fan, you try to, we know how John Schneider operates. We know how that front office likes to operate. They don't usually play at the very top of the free agent market, but this year's different because the top of the free agent market includes a player that they have and they spent you know, quite a bit of capital to acquire and that they love and that they need. And so everything is kind of contingent on this. And as fans, it's really, really hard to try and be patient with the club and hope that everything's going to work out and they have a plan B and that they they know exactly what's going to happen after Clowney either commits to us or with someone else. But it's just the waiting. Um, this I don't ever remember anything like this with the Seahawks and a key free agent dragging on this long. It's it's hard. It's a little bit hard to follow, and it is frustrating. I mean, one week in, and you can look uh, across all the additions that they've made. Yes, they've added volume on the offensive line for competition, but I don't think, uh, uh, I guess apart from Bruce Irvin taking over the, the other defensive end spot, likely from Ziggy Anza, that's the one place that you can point to and say, okay, there's a significant upgrade over last year. But other than that, I mean, the the idea of Brandon Shell over a Fetty, it kind of seems like a wash more than anything. Maybe a, an upgrade if you include the the issue with penalties that a Fetty always had. But right. uh, really, other than that, there's there's no position that you can point at and say the Seahawks got better there. No. And, and that is the most frustrating thing, because we're all waiting on pins and needles for Clowney's decision. But we all agree. The whole league agrees. Everybody that that watches the NFL agrees that just bringing Clowney back is not enough because the pass rush wasn't good enough last year. They need to secure Clowney or someone at that level and then add two or three pieces to that, either in what's left in free agency, the trade market, and the draft. So just getting Clowney isn't enough. And I think that's what's starting to drive a lot of fans crazy. And I, I can sense the discontent on social media because – even if they land Clowney, then the question is, well, how much salary cap space is left? And is that enough to be able to do anything beyond that? And so it's it's really hard. Remember not too long ago when we were all looking forward to 2020 because the Seahawks had like 80 million in cap space and 11 picks. Right. What ha- what happened to that? I mean, <laughs> some of that stuff, you know, we like some of the deals they made last year and Quandre Diggs certainly upgrades the, the back end and some of that but it seems like we're a long ways away from that to where you know now where our picks are in the draft don't really seem to line up great with where the 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 ledges are at certain position groups and now you know we're stuck with cap space so it's been it's been strange to watch i love the bruce Irvin signing but then you have to wonder why would they make that before they know what Clowney's doing and how he's going to impact their cap. It's it's very, very mysterious and confusing. Well, at least there is that, because if we didn't have the Irvin signing to to point to, then we I think as fans, we'd really be struggling. But 
you know, you were you were advocating, Dan, the idea of letting Clowney go before free agency mm -hmm. even started. And I'm kind of curious you know, now uh, now that we're a week in and with the way that free agency has played out, has that changed your thinking at all? I can I can easily talk myself into either option <laughs> yeah. in, in my full offseason plan that I did three weeks ago. Um, my my suggestion was and my desire at that point was let's not pay Jadevian Clowney because at that time we all assumed that he was going to get top of the market money. He was going to get um, he was going to get Mac money or Lawrence money. Um, and so my thought at the time was let's spread that around and let's let's take some shots at some other high end guys and then hit some things in the draft and and spread that around because there are other needs. I mean, we haven't talked about anything other than offensive line and edge here, but there are other needs that are pretty significant. But certainly if we sign Jadevian Clowney, I'm going to be happy about it. I think he's a terrific player. And I think uh, he's a player that fits right in with how Pete Carroll likes to play defense. And he's the type of player that he's wanted to have on that line for a long time. But because the market has come down to the point that it has, there's a potential here. If they finesse this thing, if Schneider pulls this off, where we could all look at it and say, okay, that was frustrating, but man, I can't believe we got that player at that at that number. So I guess that's, that's the argument I was trying to make up front is, is I like to deal in knowns. And the one known at that time was if you don't even pursue Jadevian Clowney, there's a whole bunch of other options. And a lot of the other options that I was talking about in my off season plan, one of them was Vic Beasley. Cause I thought he was a, a young player who hadn't quite, you know, been, been coached into his prime yet. And there was a lot of upside left there. Um, and some of the other guys are already off the market. So now we're kind of stuck. They almost, they almost have to have Clowney. I mean, I've, I've still been frustrated, you know, a couple of days ago on Twitter, you know, I said it again, I said, this is, you got to put a drop dead date in front of this guy's agent. There has to be a day where if this doesn't get done, they got to move on because we don't know how long Everson Griffin is willing to wait, you know? And I think we all universally agree that he's plan B, although some people think that he's part of plan a with Clowney. I don't think that's possible, but we don't know how long he's willing to wait. Something needs to happen soon, or we could be completely left out in the cold watching the parade go by. Yeah. And uh, I know a lot of people like that idea of pairing Clowney with Griffin. And then you have Irvin on top of it. That feels like a, a better plan going into the season, but salary cap, uh, it is an actual figure. And I know that the general managers have ways to work around that. Uh, it could, could that all fit in? I don't know. I, I think Players probably would have to be cut, uh, and I know we are expecting, you know, Tedrick Thompson was a guy who they, uh, quote unquote, were allowing to seek a trade. Uh, he could easily be cut. Uh, Ed Dixon likely to be cut. So I, I still think that even though traditionally they do some of those cuts before the league year starts, those are a couple players that uh, that I think we will eventually see cut. And I and I think there's a, you know, there's certainly another option here. And and that's you can redo guys deals. It's just as much as as that makes sense, it's not something the Seahawks have done a lot of. So they'd be bucking their own trends to, you know, rework Brit's contract. And that might be something that both sides are are willing to do, given that he's coming off an injury. Mm -hmm. You know, he's still only 27, 28. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not, you know, if there's a way, if there's an avenue to keep Justin Britt at a lower number, I'd certainly like to do that. Same thing with KJ Wright, uh, I had assumed, you know, every day since he signed that deal that he wasn't going to see year two of that because it was structured in such a way that there was, 
there was a huge out for the club in year two that would save us. I think you said it. Seven, it was seven, seven and, and a half million dollars uh, up until Sunday, and then it went down to six and a half. So I think, but that hasn't happened, and so we don't know. Yeah. And he you could know, still be a cut, you know, you, you think of what KJ Wright's meant to the team and do they say, okay, we're going to let you stay through this day and get that million dollar bonus just yeah. because of everything you've meant to the team. I, I could see something like that happening too. Yeah. And I could certainly see because he played so well last year and stayed so healthy that they could tack a year on, you know, or, or two years on and spread some of that out and, and lower his cap number for 2020. There's still a lot of things that they can do. And that's, you know, I guess I would I would try to encourage people to be positive because I I have this conversation with myself <laughs> to, to try to keep myself positive. There there are still a multitude of different outcomes that are possible here. Even if even if Clowney and Griffin both sign elsewhere, there's a way that the Seahawks can still improve their pass rush and and be a Super Bowl contender. It's just it just it takes longer and and we want to know now you know we always want our information right now with our with our sports teams and and waiting and being in the dark is is just it's hard well you think back to just where the Seahawks were going into the 2019 season and their only pass rush signing was Ziggy Anza and mm-hmm. you know things weren't looking good for him to to be starting the year and all of us are kind of freaking out in the preseason saying you know what are the Seahawks going to do in terms of pass rush and then Schneider goes out and lands Clowney as part of a, a big deal with, uh, and it turns out that maybe making ba- uh, really bad deals with the Texans, at least bad for the Texans, isn't that hard to do. Uh, right. It's <laughs> not what we've seen with Arizona. But. <laughs> we were all applauding Schneider for fleecing Bill O'Brien, yeah. but uh, that's that's becoming commonplace these days. Right. Um, but you, And you know what? That's a great point because the same exact scenario could still unfold this year. We could lose out on Clowney and Griffin and go into the draft and not get the edge guys that we like or that we think we need and then in training camp end up making an Ngakwe trade because you know right now the Jaguars have all the all the leverage and and his price is way too high for the Seahawks and other interested teams certainly the closer they get to the season especially if he refuses to sign the tender or play Mm -hmm. it it could be a, a carbon copy you know of of that situation last year it's just that as we said, we all agree that we need more than just one dynamic player. And so, you know, I, I've said all along for months going into this offseason that this was a key offseason, maybe the biggest one of the Schneider and Carroll regime. And there's there's an opportunity for this club to be a Super Bowl contender in 2020, but they have to almost have a perfect offseason. And I don't think anyone to this point would say that it's been anything near perfect. And that's the concerning part. No, still have the draft, still have some more waves of free agency, still have that time before training camp. But yes, it is. I would absolutely agree with you that this is one of the more critical ones because they are in that window of Russell Wilson's prime that you just Mm -hmm. you can't allow it to go to waste. And there's they have enough, especially on the offensive side of the ball now that I I feel like they they're missing they're just missing some key pieces on the the defensive side that they would really need. So when you look at Dan the guys that are left among the free agents, the remaining even the top guys or maybe maybe you have your eye on somebody too. Is there anybody that you look at and say, you know, that would be a piece that would upgrade the Seahawks significantly at this point? Well, I think the the first inclination is to look on the defensive side of the ball and and I I can't get away from talking about pass rush. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I do like people have scoffed at the idea of Benson Mayoa, mm. but I think a lot of that comes from perception. You know, 
um, Seahawk fans, casual Seahawk fans have a perception that he's a guy that was an undrafted free agent. We let him go and he went and kind of bounced around the league a little bit and he was never anything special. And so th- that name is tainted to them, but he's still only 27, 28 years old. He had seven sacks with the Raiders last year, only playing in about 28% of their snaps. He, f- he fits the perfect physical profile of a Leo and he's a guy that the, the club is familiar with and he would cost pennies on the dollar to bring in. And so I, I like him as an additional piece you know, to add to the competition there. If they miss out on Clowney and or Griffin, I like the idea of a dependable veteran like Jabal Sherd, who I think, I think I looked at it today in his eight-year career, he's only had one season ever of less than four and a half sacks. He's remarkably consistent in his production. And then I know this is kind of a, a sort of a lightning rod I advocated for the signing of Clay Matthews last year. <laughs> I thought that the connections were obvious, just like they are with Everson Griffin. He played for Pete Carroll. Right. Um, he's a guy that still has some in the tank if you use him properly, um, not only in regards to role, but also just taking care of his body. You know, there's reasons Seahawks fans hate him, and I understand that. But he's also a guy that you might hate him on another team, but, but you might love him on your own too because he really plays with an edge. He plays with some intensity. Uh, he's a great locker room guy. And from the sounds of it, he was not expecting this to happen and he's a little bit ticked off at how things went in LA. So adding a guy who can still play, who can get after the passer in a rotational role and has an ax to grind against the Rams. I'm okay with that. I was surprised last year how much he got from the Rams. And that's why I wasn't that upset that we didn't land him. I don't think he would cost that much this year. I'm I'm a little bit surprised that we haven't heard from Matthews that he would even be considering retirement. Cause it kind of felt like him going to LA was him going to the spot where he was ultimately going to retire. And so yeah. uh, I, I am curious to see where he could land and what he has left in him too. One guy that I'm kind of curious about, and we did hear some interest from the Seahawks, at least initially through Josina Anderson saying Demarius Randall, uh, yeah. the Seahawks had potential interest in him and his ability to kind of play corner and nickel and safety and, you know, just another kind of overall player who, could at least compete at a couple different spots. That that name intrigued me a little bit. Yeah, I I certainly would love to see an addition to the defensive backfield, and and in particular a guy that can be versatile. And that's that's one thing that Randall presents is he's played the slot and he's played outside and he's played some safety, and that might be the kind of thing you know he hasn't signed anywhere else yet. And so, um, you know, sometimes when those when those reports come out, um, it's teams doing their due diligence, and you know, fans need to keep in mind that that for most players in the league, Seattle is still one of those places that's a preferred destination. It's a place that's player friendly and, and guys want to be a part of if the Seahawks are interested in them. And Randall may be a guy that, that is still in the plan and he's just waiting until, you know, they, they iron out the pass rush situation. I think, um, you know, there were a bunch of corners too, that I, that I thought would make some sense as well. And, and still might, I wouldn't be surprised if they took a, took a flyer on a guy like Tremaine Johnson, who just a couple of years ago was signed for elite money and mm-hmm. fits all the physical um, ideals of, of what the Seahawks look for in an outside corner. And maybe you can get him for the vet minimum and, and he could be a guy with some upside. So something, I would be shocked if we make it through this offseason without them adding something to the defensive secondary. And then on offense, there's some guys that, are, that, I, that I'm really intrigued by. I think we all agree that the Seahawks need, need to sign a veteran free agent running back to, to kind of hedge against some injuries and to fill in some depth and then still maybe draft one as well. And there were reports that they were interested in Isaiah Crowell, who, who was a really interesting player in his prime, but he's coming off a major injury. And so that's an unknown, but Carlos Hyde is someone that I, I think there were some connections last year. 
he's certainly someone that fits the Seahawks profile. He's, he's in his physical prime. He's coming off a thousand yard season with the Texans. He's a couple of years removed from a 57 catch season with the 49ers. I think he's someone that would really fit in well with that backfield and kind of hedge against Penny not coming back as quickly as they would like, or, or Carson not being able to play 16 games again. And then, You have to wonder about the receiver group. There's some really interesting free agent receivers out there at this point in a year that is is historically good as far as the draft goes. And that may be watering down uh, some of the markets for these wide receiver prospects. And Rashad Perriman is a guy that I find really interesting, former first-round pick. He's bounced around so much, and he was such a big name, and he was such a disappointment with the Ravens that you assume he's older than he is. He's 26. Kind of had a breakout season with Tampa last year. Uh, 36 catches, got in the end zone six times. Um, he's a physical freak, 6'3", 215. I think he's a guy that would balance out what they have in Lockett and Metcalf and kind of give him a little added element of another uh, veteran that can make some plays downfield. So there's still, there's a lot, there's a lot of players out there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Demarcus Robinson, another one of them, the wide receiver from the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I could see them going for somebody like him. I, you know, one of the things that's really intriguing to me is just the lack of Seahawks free agents that have gone anywhere else. You have George Fant, three years, $30 million to the Jets, and Quentin Jefferson, which I think was two years, 13 and a half to the Buffalo Bills. And that's it. They have so many of their own guys. And you talk about defensive backs. Akeem King's a free agent, Nico Thorpe, Kalen Reed, Jeremy Boykins. Those guys all played corner. And so when you talk about adding guys to the defensive backfield, they have the ability to upgrade there for sure. And whether they do that through the draft or or free agency, but just the lack of guys going elsewhere is, is pretty staggering at this point. Yeah. And, and you don't know if that's because, you know, some of these guys were overvalued as Seahawks in our eyes, or, or maybe in, in the eyes of some of the teams around the league, or if, the situation in Seattle is is so appealing that these guys are willing to wait around until the Seahawks sort some things out and have to fill in the rest of their roster. I I would fully expect to see Akeem King come back. You know, he's a guy that in the first wave of free agency, if someone, you know, thought he could be a starter and would swoop in and 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 give him better money than he's made, that that I think he would have signed already. And so if he's looking at, you know, another one year deal or a one or two year deal at role player type money, then I think you would probably just as soon come back to Seattle um, and would make a lot of sense. I'd feel really good about having him as a backup again in that secondary. I think um, I would love to have Al Woods back again. You know, he finished up his suspension that he finished up at the end of last year and and was such a good rotational run stuffing interior lineman this year. I could see him coming back. Josh Gordon is a really interesting case study for me uh, with the new CBA and how that works in and and how, his appeal to get back in the league is going to go because one thing we know about Josh Gordon since he arrived in Seattle and was suspended again is he stayed in Seattle right. and he's he's been really active on social media um, and he's constantly talking about uh, I mean if the sun comes out in Seattle Josh Gordon is tweeting about it <laughs> he loves it here and uh, you know regardless of we we don't know all of his issues it's it's assumed that his biggest problem is marijuana which this this new cba just um just basically kind of swept under the carpet and so uh if there's any chance that he's in a good place emotionally and can be reinstated i still think and we saw just a glimpse of it last year i still think he can play a major role in this offense absolutely Um, yeah but the guys that haven't signed anywhere i'm just 
I'm, I, I shouldn't, I was going to say I'm shocked. I'm not, uh, because I have not ever been a Jermaine Effetti fan and, and, um, and have been on the, don't give him his fifth year option, you know, let him walk train the whole time. Uh, I think it, it tells you everything you need to know about Jermaine Fetty that George Fant was signed on the first day of free agency for 10 million a year. And Fetty hasn't found a home yet. It does feel like the two guys that have overvalued themselves going into free agency have been Jermaine Fetty and Jadevian Clowney. Yeah. And Clowney's reasons are different than Fetty. I, I think it has everything to do with the injury history and everything to do with um, a lot is said about how Clowney doesn't doesn't rack up the eye popping stats. I don't think there's a general manager in the NFL that gives gives a damn about that. They they all know what a disruptive player he is and they would like to have him in their locker room. But the the GMs and the cap guys who are negotiating these contracts, it's like going through the arbitration process in baseball. They absolutely 100% are going to try and get a player at the the lowest dollar amount that they can. And so that's exactly what they're using to try and deflate his market a little bit to try and get it down and so you know those things are working against him with the fed i think it's just ability and and performance i do think that that 10 million dollar level probably was there at the start of free agency for a fed uh, especially when you look at a guy like vitai from the eagles getting getting that level i'm sure he, yeah he could have gotten that but he probably said to himself you know what i i should get uh you know i have been a starter for these four years and i i should be getting more and and he probably it's possible that he missed out on uh, the deal that he was expecting to get. So uh, kind of a bummer for him. I know that uh, you know, we're all used to bagging on a Fetty. I, I do want him to get paid well. Uh, I just don't want him to get paid well with the Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And you have to wonder now at this point if he's looking at, you know, signing a one-year deal sure. somewhere with a team that that has a potential opening at right tackle and, and try to establish his value in another system. But um, yeah, we'll see. Well, Dan, really want to thank you for coming on. Dan Viennes of the Dan Cave Podcast. If you want to check out your show, what, what do you got coming up? I know with it's kind of tough considering where you're at in the sports world, but are we going to hear uh, potentially some Seahawks talk here coming up? Yeah, I'm a mock draft addict, and so I'll do I'll do as much of that as I can. Um, and, and because I think the mock draft scenarios change with every player that the Seahawks sign. Um, and especially once we find out how edge is set, we'll dive into that pretty heavily. And then I'm just going to try to, you know, have as much levity as possible. Um, I'm looking at having one of my old bartending partners on, uh, with me next week. And we're going to talk a lot about Seahawks. We're going to talk a lot about the Mariners. He's, he's a diehard Mariner fan. Um, how the, how this whole, uh, suspension of operations in major league baseball affects the Mariners in a different way than it affects any other team in baseball and, and how it impacts their rebuild. Um, and you know, the potential of losing a year of the draft with the, with, with baseball. And then we're going to drink some whiskey and, and kind of talk about the industry a little bit too. So I've got some guests lined up. Uh, I certainly have more time on my hands, but front and center, you know, the NFL is, uh, is moving forward full steam ahead. So, um, at this point, I don't even want to admit to myself that there's a possibility that the regular season, the NFL will be affected by this coronavirus. It's too far off. So we can't, it's too I, far I can't off. think that far ahead. <laughs> and we don't have anything else to kind of wrap our hands around right now. So, you know, we're just focusing on, I got to, I got to tell you though, Dan hitting that, uh, that first payment button on the season tickets this year, it was, it was awfully hard for me to do it. Just like, Oh, is this going to happen? Do I need to spend this money now? <laughs> yeah it's funny because um 
Well, you know, you know how the timing was. It, it, uh, I had about a week before the the state shut everything down. Yeah. In, in my industry anyway, um, I, I could see it coming. I could see what was happening at work and I could just r- read the tea leaves and, and I thought, oh geez, you know, we're going to, we're not going to be able to make it through this and stay open and, and operate normally. So I kind of had my 48 hour period of freaking out and I crunched all my personal numbers and everything and, and had to f- try and figure out a way to, uh, to make it work with the Seahawk tickets. And, uh, fortunately the numbers work out and, and everything should be fine. But yeah, considering that that first payment was due the Monday after I got laid off from my job because of all this was, uh, you're right. Hitting that submit button Stuff. was a little trickier. And then, and then, and then there's two more payments in April. So yeah. um, let's just hope we don't have to end up getting that money back at some point because I was all set that Sunday. I was going to go to a dragon's game. I had dragon's tickets. Oh, right. And uh, I was really excited about that. And that was kind of unknown up until the last minute, like all these other, I think it was Wednesday, Thursday of last week that, you know, that March Madness got canceled and baseball suspended everything else. And, and the XFL kind of, kind of was the last man standing and they kind of held off until that last second. And I was hoping there was a way that they could play their games without fans in the stadium and it would give them actually more eyeballs and, sure. and a chance to, to kind of make an impact. But you know, they had to do what they had to do. And, and I'm fully confident they'll be back for a year too. So we can talk about that at another time. Well, until then, we do have some NFL to talk about up until the draft and through the draft. And, uh, yeah, we'll see ha- what happens until then. So be sure and subscribe to Dan's show. It is the Dan Cave podcast. Subscribe to this show, SBNation.com slash NFL podcast to get the Field Goals podcast in your feed every single time it releases. Stay tuned. More to come. And until then, go Hawks. Go Hawks.